I feel the need to begin this morning by saying, if we only preached truths that we ourselves have mastered, there wouldn't perhaps be a lot that we could preach. This morning, God has put a message on my heart that that I also need to hear. And I'm not preaching from a place of somebody who has arrived, but as someone who needs to be spoken to by the Lord, just like you. This is a message that applies to every single one of the Lord's saints, no matter how long you've been serving Him. And it will apply to people who don't yet know the Lord, but you can. If I titled the message, this is really what's on my heart today. We don't talk about it much these days. Fear the Lord. That's the title. That's the thrust. I'll repeat it multiple times. If I come back next week and say, what did I preach about last week? I hope immediately you'll say, fear the Lord. And I might be a little louder than usual today because there's there's the weight of the Holy Spirit on me this morning. A heaviness. Even though I'm unworthy, and even though I don't fear the Lord as much as I should, I can't get away from preaching this, because it's true. So let's start this morning in Isaiah 65. As you're turning there to Isaiah 65, I want to pray for us. Holy Father, Lord, we come before you once again this morning, and before I say anything else, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you, Lord, that I, though I stand before you as an unworthy vessel, Lord, I'm willing. And if you'll help me, I'll preach. So come, Holy Spirit, and help. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll read the first um, 14 verses of Isaiah 65. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that's not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself and do not come near me for I am too holy for you. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord, because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills. I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it, so I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall become a pasture for flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for herds to lie down, for my people who have sought me. But you who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who set a table for fortune, and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword, and all of you shall bow down to 
to the slaughter, because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen, but you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. I've been preaching a lot lately about the love of God, the gentleness of God, the how He loves us like our heavenly dada. I fully believe all of that. And yet it doesn't change that He also is the righteous judge of the universe. He is the God whom we should fear. Amen. I've heard people try to explain that away. Well, that doesn't really mean fear, it means reverence. No, it means fear. I've heard people say, that doesn't really mean fear, it means worship. No, it means fear. We're going to get into some verses on that. Brothers and sisters, when you read this passage, and I hope after today, maybe this week, you'll read it more than once and spend some time on it. I read it today in the English Standard Version. Read it in multiple translations. The reason I did that, I read it in King James first, and some of the passages just didn't come across. And I don't have time to translate from one translation to another translation. I need to preach today. So read it. See what the Lord shows you. But one big thing in this passage that we need to make sure we realize, there is a contrast between the obedient children of God and everybody else. There are two groups of people on earth. The obedient children of God and everybody else. There are children who haven't been saved yet, but I would still put them in the everybody else category because they're not yet obedient children of God. They're they're not accountable. They're not aware of the depths of spiritual things. They haven't yet surrendered and repented for their sins and been brought under the protection of His wings. There is the obedient children of God and everybody else. Now, if you stop being an obedient child, do you stop being His child? I preached that recently. He doesn't unadopt children he has adopted. But people should beware. We don't preach this enough. If you live a lifestyle of sin, if you participate with everybody else in the world and don't feel condemned, you need to make sure you are his child. Sin should bother God's children. If you can sin... And it doesn't bother you, that's a problem. We should fear the Lord. We see in this passage, and today I don't I don't feel the need to exposit from this passage to explain Isaiah 65 as much as I need to use it as an analogy for today. These people of God lived in a time when most people all around them, including most of them, were doing whatever they wanted all the time. We see in the beginning of this passage, the Lord saying, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. How many times in our lives has God reached out 
with His tender spirit when we weren't even asking Him to. Like the sister testified, God bless your heart. There are so many times that we're on our way to do something that we think is important. And the sweet Holy Spirit gives us a little nudge. Don't do that. Spend some time with me. How many times do we go do the thing we were planning on anyway? I'm guilty. Lord, forgive me. I do that often. He's ready to be found when we're not even seeking after Him. That should help us want to worship Him. But we also should fear Him. I'll get to that part more. He said, here I am, here I am to a nation not called by my name. He said, I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people. That's, I don't know, I don't think that's what Jesus looked like, but I picture some kind of image of God reaching out in mercy, begging people to repent and trust Him and seek Him and surrender to Him. That's what I see in my, my mind's eye. And He's going to do that for a while, and then He's going to sweep entire nations off the face of the earth like that. We don't talk about that second part much. Sometimes in our attempt to convince people God loves them, we paint a picture of Him like some kind of uh, senile grandfather or something. Somebody who's not really aware of everything that's going on, who, who's kind of soft. Listen, God is not soft. He doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked, but He will be just in punishing every wicked person on earth. He was just in flooding the earth. When the flood came and he destroyed and wiped the sin of the earth away, he was just in that. He says, I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. Boy, that passage, that verse, following their own devices, has a double meaning today. We literally, we literally follow our own devices. You think it's an accident that's what the word is here? L- literally. I'm, I'm not good at directions. I put everywhere I go. I mean, I can get here okay, I can get home okay, but most places I go, I put it in, I, whatever it tells me. And my mama, she's okay at directions. Sometimes she'll be like, why are you going this way? My device told me to. And maybe that's not sin, but use this as an analogy for life. How often do we do whatever this device or the bigger device at home or the device... How often do we do what that told us to? It's dangerous. You know why it's dangerous? Not just because it's a bad idea, but because it could offend God. And that's dangerous. Say, well, I'm His child. I don't need to be scared of Him. You need to read your Bible. We all need to fear Him. I'm not saying to walk around in fear, to cower in fear, but you need a fear of the Lord that puts in perspective who He is and makes it even bigger in your mind and heart that He loves you enough to give His Son for somebody to whom He stretches out His hands all day and is rebellious. Because that applies to all of us sometimes. One more note on that before I keep going. There's a passage in... uh, one of the Chronicles of Narnia books. And I don't want to diminish God, but, I, but this is an analogy that might help you understand what I'm saying. There's a little girl in the book who, 
in the book, the character is a lion who represents God. And he loves her with such tender love. She's a child. And there's a passage where somebody says, uh, is he safe? And the person says, oh, no, he's not safe. But he's good. He's not a tame lion, you see. That's our God. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And no, he's not safe. But he's good. Even those of us who love him and who he loves enough to lay down his own son, we still need to be aware of who he is. He's the righteous judge of the universe who one day will wipe off all the nations like dust on a scale. Let me show you a couple things Scripture says. This is not my opinion. 63rd chapter of Isaiah, 6th verse. I trampled down the people in my anger. I made them drunk in my wrath and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. That's God. But we see in those same passages, God treats His people differently. Praise His holy name for that. Let me continue here in Isaiah 65. The first four verses categorize people who live in continual rebellion. This is the people, God's God's chosen people. They're in constant rebellion, so much so that they disobey um, clear, simple laws. They have dietary restrictions for reasons that we could get into some other time. And even simple things, do not eat this. They eat it. They don't care. They don't care anything about what God has commanded. And then fifth verse, this is the part that to me we need to be very aware of. They say to other people, keep to yourself, do not come near me for I am too holy for you. The very people who... The Lord says through Isaiah, there is smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day. And what kind of fire or smoke is that? Y'all ever out and you, you smell a, like a food fire, like maybe oak or hickory or pecan wood and meat on it? That's beautiful. That makes you sort of smile inside, maybe get a little pleasure in your mouth and feel happy. That is how our sacrifice is supposed to be to the Lord. He's talking about a fire that's pungent and repulsive. Maybe like when you're out on a day that's beautiful and you expect to take in the fresh air and you smell this plastic trash fire. It's bad. It's, it's, it's repugnant. This is what these people are participating in religious activities even though they're a continual abomination to the Lord and the attitude of their own hearts. This is, brothers and sisters, what I said earlier before the camera was on, we must be cautious that we don't become self-righteous in our own perception of being right. That's what they did. The Lord said, these people who say, keep to yourself, don't come near me, I'm too holy for you. They're actually an abomination to Him. Beware, brothers and sisters, of ever becoming religiously righteous. Every one of us depend on the continual mercy of God. We should fear the Lord. Now, six verses is heavy, terrifying. Behold, it's written before me, I will not keep silent. I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. 
Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me in the hills, I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Too many people live like their actions are no big deal. Listen, I I want you all to hear this. If you don't care about sinning for the sake of offending God, I want you to understand the decisions you make will affect future generations. Say, well, God can have mercy. Yes, praise His holy name, He can. But in this case, He's punishing the children for their sins, their sins, and their father's sins. He's not just spanking them. He's not, they're not just in trouble. He says, I'm pouring into your lap your iniquities and your father's iniquities because you made offerings to false gods. You insulted me on the hills. I will measure. This is proportional judgment. In the New Testament, we see this law of the harvest. That's what this is here as well. You're going to reap what you sow. Say, man, you seem angry today. Oh, I'm not angry because most of this is pointed at myself first. I want you to understand. I can't scare you into behaving. The people do that with the Santa Claus songs. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when. No, he doesn't. But I'll tell you who does. God. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro in the earth. His eyes. He knows what you're doing. You can't escape from Him. And make no mistake, sometimes in our talk of God's mercy and love, and we should talk about it, I think we make people think there's no big deal for their actions. Brothers and sisters, no matter how long you've served the Lord, no matter how well you do it, no matter how good of a saint of God you are, you're going to give account. You're going to answer to the righteous judge of the universe for what you've done in your body. All of us. It's dangerous to sin. You remember the very beginning, one of the first lessons we're taught in Scripture, sin brings death. Afraid we live in a culture now where we don't even know what sin is. We're, we're about, this applies to me too. Y'all know I'm kind of, not kind of, I'm a foodie. I love food. I love the subtle uh, excitement, the little, fla- all of it. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but... It can be taken to an extreme. We're just giving an example. We, we are a culture of hedonists. We, that's our culture. Go to Nashville, walk down Broadway, and see if I'm not right. You say, well, I don't go to Nashville. Okay, go to Hendersonville, walk down Indian Lake, and see if I'm not right. We're a culture of hedonists. You say, well, should we be austere? Should we just sit at home? Never. No, because that's not any more holy. But I'm just saying, you need to be aware. The decisions we make, the things we do, like I've been preaching lately, are they pleasing to our Heavenly Father, or are they going to incur His wrath? It matters, because He's going to measure into your lap payment for your former deeds. Is there mercy and forgiveness? Absolutely. But that's primarily not what's on my heart to preach today. I don't know if we realize how heavy this is. Repay into their lap. Both your iniquities and your father's iniquities. It's the opposite of what the Lord actually desires for his children. As explained in Luke 6.38. 
Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I preached on that recently. God wants to pour blessings into our lap more than we can contain. That's what He wants to do. But if we're stiff-necked and we rebel and we do whatever we want all the time, He'll have to pour something else into our lap. Let's remind ourselves of Exodus 20. I'll start in verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the waters below. Do you think we're not a culture that participates in idolatry? We even have images in our building. I'm not going to go on a tangent and dwell on that, but we should care what the Lord says. You shall not make an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I've heard people try to explain that away too. Well, it doesn't mean jealous, it means zealous. No, it means jealous. Listen, the Lord is the only person who can be completely jealous without sinning. Because He's the only person who deserves all of our attention. It's jealous and it's appropriate. You owe Him everything. I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Listen to the comparison here. Remember I said in the beginning there's a contrast between the obedient children of God and everybody else. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me. And keep my commandments. Now, I'm preaching a message this morning about the fear of the Lord, the judgment of God, and being aware of who He is. But even in preaching that, I can't get away from His mercy. He's going to punish certain people for three to three. Let me make sure I didn't miss it. Uh, sin of the parents to the third, three to four generations for sin, but a thousand generations for love. God's even merciful in His judgment. That should motivate us. But it doesn't do away with his judgment. Your sin's not no big deal. But even more so, when you really love the Lord, it's not no big deal. You know, if this is literal, and I think it it could be, we're sitting here today because of what faithful people in our lineage did hundreds or thousands of years ago. And there are people suffering on the street, or maybe not on the street, maybe at home with their devices brainwashing them because of what their parents did two, three, four generations ago. Does it mean they don't have a chance to change? No. Does it mean there's no mercy? Absolutely not. Here's what, I, what it means is it matters what you do. You can influence the future for countless generations, or you can influence the future with 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 evil. This is heavy. We need to be aware of it. You shall not bow down to worship them, 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I want to repeat, um, sin's not no big deal. Sin is not no big deal. It's not. If, if maybe our parents' or grandparents' generation was a generation that was, I mean, they get accused of being too puritanical or too influenced, or they're, well, that's just because of prohibition, not because of the Bible. If they were too legalistic, we're far too loose. Sin's not no big deal. You can't just do whatever you want, brothers and sisters. You can't. And we, we've absorbed that from our culture, not from the Holy Word of God. There is freedom. There's liberty to serve Christ, but we forget we're His slaves. They say, well, I don't like that. Okay, then we're His children. And children want to please their parents. And children who don't please their parents are disobedient, and that's displeasing to the parent. That's sin. There's a... Every decision you make, I want to make sure we get this. Every decision, every action you take, every decision you make has a ripple effect into eternity. I don't, I've, I've preached this, this idea before and I've had people come up to me and say, I, don't, I, don't, I never thought about that. I don't know if I agree with you. I say, well, go study the Bible and tell me if you disagree. Some of them that was years ago and I haven't heard from them again. I don't think this is wrong. What you do in your body influences how you're going to experience heaven. And what you do in your body, if you don't repent, trust the Lord, and and surrender for salvation, it'll influence your life in hell. You can't do whatever you want and get by with it. Saved and lost alike. Sometimes saved people... I'm going to say this. Some of the most rotten people I've met are missionary Baptists who think that they can do whatever they want because 40 years ago they had an experience where God supposedly saved them. If you've been living with that attitude for 40 years, you better make sure you really know Him. I'm not saying we don't sin. I sin. I probably sinned this morning. I came here feeling like, Lord, I can't preach this message. I'm not even, I'm too dirty. I'm too sinful. I can't. And then I've sat there in the beginning of the service and His Holy Spirit washed over me. Not in a dramatic way, in a calm, subtle. And you know what I said, Lord? (laughs) You cleaned me up enough to stand up here and try to preach. He's beautiful. He's so beautiful. We can't do whatever we want whenever we want. I believe that. I think Scripture teaches it. And if that's true, here's here's the point I want to get to. I'm not trying to scare you about a God who's mad at you. I'm trying to, to teach us by reminding us that we have a Heavenly Father whose heart is grieved when we sin. Let's again use this analogy, this beautiful daughter God gave me that He teaches me so much about Him through. When she gets old enough, she sins already. It's, it's fascinating. We, we'll say, she, we didn't teach her that. Where did she learn that kind of defiance? It's, it's there. She's not responsible yet. 
she gets old enough to really understand what she's doing. She sins against me. I'm not going to be mad at her and cut her off and, man, I don't like you anymore. We think that about God. That's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is those of you who've been parents or grandparents or who have maybe helped raise children, you think about when this child does something that is wrong, it breaks your heart. And sometimes you have to punish them for their own survival. Sometimes you punish them so they'll stay alive. And it hurts. Now, we don't love perfectly. Imagine if we feel that way as parents, how much more our perfect Heavenly Father, who understands the ins and outs of every decision we make, when He punishes us or when He's aware we did something wrong, how much more must it hurt Him? Because He under... We don't understand the magnitude of sin. He does. So when we willingly sin, imagine the level that it breaks His heart. Especially when He has already sacrificed His Son to pay for our sins. He's already forgiven us. Then we still sin? That's what should motivate us. When I say fear the Lord, that's what I'm talking about. Not walking around like you need to hide because He's going to get you. Because you can't hide. And he's not going to get you. He's the righteous judge of the universe. And also your heavenly father. If you know him. We talk about not enough. Sometimes we talk about judgment day. And most of what I've heard people say about judgment day. The day of judgment is foolishness. I've heard people who are supposedly saved. Say. You better not be in line behind me on judgment day. It's going to take a long time for me to get through. That's utter foolishness to talk that way. You don't boast in how much you've sinned and how much you're going to have to repent. Think about that as a line that you're waiting. I don't know if it's like that, a line there or not. Let me tell you what God showed my heart. I've never thought about until as I was preparing for this message. We sometimes think about Judgment Day like, All the things we thought we got by with, catching up with us. That time we lied. That time we lost our temper and we shouldn't. All those times we had road rage. All those times we weren't as kind as we should have been. We think think about the, the legal things that we violated. Here's what the Lord has showed me in my heart that Judgment Day will be like for His children. For a sincere child, the greatest pain is understanding they grieved the heart of their mother or father. You know what I think Judgment Day is going to be like for us? On June 13th, 2012, around 8.15 in the morning, I gave you a little nudge to spend some time with me. You could have, but you watched the news instead. Time after time that we could have drawn closer to the Lord. I think that's what we're going to see on Judgment Day. Not just punishment. Because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh but after. Jesus has paid the price. The sin debt. He's paid it. But we're going to be aware of all the times that we could have pleased our Father better. And it's going to hurt. It's not no big deal. 
Times he wooed our hearts. Times he was longing for sweet communion with us and we were too busy. Times he wanted to spend time with us and we wanted to get home and finish the football game instead. (laughs) How much better to actually turn the TV off and do what he was pulling us to do. I hear people say things like, I don't regret any of my decisions. They made me who I am. Foolishness. Your decisions didn't make you who you are. If there's anything good in you, the grace of God did. And He could have done it without bad decisions. Let me tell you, I have a lifetime full of regrets. I don't dwell on them. Or I wouldn't function. But it's foolishness to not regret something that you shouldn't have done. But you know what I regret most are those times. There's a time in particular, the first time I really saw it this clearly. I was in Washington, D.C. for work, staying in a fancy hotel on taxpayer money. Never stayed anywhere that nice before. We stayed at, well, just the the cheap hotels when I was a kid if we traveled or slept in our van sometimes. And I'm in this fancy, fancy place in the middle of a, talk about a hedonist city. Young, I was young, early 20s, and I come back to the hotel, turn on the TV, because that's what you do in a hotel. And I felt the Holy Spirit nudge, just tug at me. And I kept watching some stupid show. You know, I still regret that. That was around 2012, a decade ago. I still regret it. I don't dwell, I don't sit around like drowning and regretting it, but I still regret it because there was a, a void in me the rest of that trip that didn't have to be there. There was some difficulty I faced, some, some misery, some loneliness and despair. That's a hard city to be stuck in. You know what? God at the very beginning of that trip tried to spare me from that pain. And I decided to veg out instead. And I paid for it. And on Judgment Day, I'll have to answer for that. I bet you haven't thought about it like that. I I never have until now. I think about the things, the laws I violated. It's deeper than that, brothers and sisters. It's deeper than that. Just so you know, I'm not making this up about fear in the Lord. Let me quickly run through some scriptures. Luke 12.5, I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him, which after he is killed has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say unto you, fear him. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You want to be wise? You want to understand the Lord? It starts with fear of him. Psalm 111.10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 89, 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. I talked about this again before the sermon started, but God has been with us in these services lately. You know why? Primarily because we're coming here with a fear of Him. You might not have thought of calling it that because fear has this negative connotation. It, you know, all the self-help books and the um, um, success coaches and all these people, they want to drive away fear. Here's what I'm telling you. The fear of the Lord is good for you. And we come here 
Not, not with um, consuming fear, but we come here with a sense of cautiousness. Lord, I want to be sure I don't do something just because it's what we do. I want to be sure I don't speak out of turn. When I preach, Lord, I want to try not to say something that's my own idea. I want to try to say what's from you. Fear of the Lord. We continue to have that. We'll continue to have Him. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly. 1 Chronicles 16.25 Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalm 1.5 Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. I want us to get to the place, brothers and sisters, I don't know if the church wants it to happen this way because it will cost us. I want this place to become so powerful with God that people walk in, if they're in sin, they can't stand it. They fall down or run out. We can have power with God like that, but it will require you to change. It will require me to change. We won't get to rush home and, and watch our football game or rush to the restaurant or, or, or get ready for the week or do our life. We won't be thinking about those things. We'll be consumed with Him. And it will be inconvenient. Our whole culture is trading power with God for convenience and comfort. All of us. We're all distracted more than we should be or could be. All of us. Psalm 47.2 How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. Psalm 68.35 O God, you are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel himself gives strength and power to his people. Blessed be God. That says awesome, but that's part of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 76.7 You alone are to be feared. When you are angry, who can stand before you? Psalm six or Proverbs sixteen six by mercy and truth iniquity is purged and by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil. I hear people, I myself included, we all complain about how bad things have gotten. This happened when we took prayer out of school. No, it didn't. It happened when the previous generation was sitting at home watching black and white TV and reading newspapers instead of spending time with their children, training them the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's when it happened. And I'm telling you that with authority, not from myself, but from my elders who told me that. I had several from the World War II generation tell me, what we're going through now is our fault. They, they said that. See, we came back home and we thought our job was to make sure our children were comfortable. So we raised a generation of comfort drunk people who raised this generation. It's tragic. Now, I'm not discouraged about it. I'm not negative about it. I'm trying to tell you the truth. But it's by the fear of the Lord that men depart from evil. Psalm 34, 9. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. The NIV translates it this way. Fear the Lord, you His holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing. Do you all know, I, we forget things like this. Or we never, maybe some of us never realized it. You can live in such a way that you don't need anything. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. See, what I'm talking about this morning, the fear of the Lord, it's not a bad thing. The fear of the Lord is how you get life. You want to be free? You want to be uh, 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 happy, joyful, content, have purpose in your life? It all starts with the fear of the Lord. I had some more scriptures, but I feel like I should wrap up.
And I don't want to try to soften anything that God put on my heart. This is what He gave me. I don't know who knows the Lord. If you need to repent, repent. If you're sitting at home listening or watching this, and the Spirit of God is dealing with you, and you feel sick inside, repent. Say, I don't know what repent means. Here's what it means. You throw yourself on His mercy. You use whatever words come to your mouth from the depths of your being and ask for His forgiveness. That's repentance. Not just being sorry you got caught, but being sorry that you offended the holy God of the universe. That's repentance. Those of you who know the Lord, we should live lives characterized by repentance. We don't get by with anything. Sometimes we, myself, sometimes I'm so overwhelmed by God's unconditional love that sometimes I feel like I just get by with stuff. You don't. He doesn't turn a blind eye. Everything you do that you shouldn't hurts His heart. And He doesn't. He doesn't deserve to be wounded by those He sent His Son to save. I'm going to leave you with that thought. The rest of this morning, do whatever the Lord leads, however He leads. And may God bless you, and may He teach us all more about His fear.